cleared for takeoff. Welcome, one and all, once again to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me, as always, is my astute and educational and incredibly handsome co-host, Matt Slard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. Hey, fans. Hey, hey Jets fans. We're, we're, we're back to where we normally are. <laughs> feeling like we're in the gutter. Feeling not so good. Not not scoring any points. It's kind of uh, Jets football is back, baby. Yeah, that that took long, right? I mean, that took a you know a whole a whole half really. It didn't even take an entire game. So let's start let's start there, Sliz. As always, we start our our show with the runway rundown. And my first bullet point that I have on our show notes here, Sliz. Well, that kind of sucked, right? I, I mean. We're going to break down the game a little bit, right? And you know what's been said. And the good thing is that we record on Tuesday night, so we kind of have more than more than twenty four hours to digest this. And the one thing I hope I don't come across on the show is overly reactionary and overly emotional. So uh, I don't like to react to one thing, especially week one. So with that, I just I want to say one thing before we get started on this. Everybody, take a deep breath, relax, settle down. It's week one, right? I want to give a big, big shout out to to JetsX and and Robbie Sabo because there was a period of time on Twitter after the Jets lost where the sky was falling and the sky still is falling. It's going to continue to fall until week two. But I I messaged Robbie and I'm like, dude, am I taking crazy pills? Like, is is like, what's going on here? Because I don't know about you, Sliz. I didn't think the Jets looked awful. I mean, the offense was bad, but overall, I didn't think they looked like they got their asses beat. Like, I don't think that they got this. I don't think the score was indicative of really what went on in that game. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's not like previous years where we didn't look like we belonged on the field. And I know some people will point at the scoreboard. Some people will look at how maybe how poor the offense looked at times, but like, we didn't look like we were just like we didn't look like an expansion team. We didn't look right. like a CFL team. Like we looked like we belonged on the same field in general. And we'll get into a lot of the shortcomings and and where a lot of a lot went wrong. But like we we looked like we could compete. We didn't. It wasn't like early season last year where we were just a three and out machine, right? Like there mm-hmm. were some drives where we we did move the ball at least a little bit. Even though the opening drive, we didn't we didn't three and out the opening drive, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, super low bar. That shouldn't right. be our bar as Jets <laughs> right. fans, but we were able to move it in spurts. We were able to draw some flags. Like we we had a decent number of first downs. We just couldn't quite string it together, especially right. early. Yeah, I, there's a lot that went into this game, Sliz. And the one thing that I keep, you know, I watched the condensed game again, and I looked at the game, and it was three nothing until three forty five less left in the first half. So it's not like they were getting their bell rung. They they bottled up Lamar Jackson. I understand they're a depleted unit right now. Not they don't have they didn't have J.K. Dobbins. They didn't have uh, their starting two. Well, not only their starting left tack- tackle and Ronnie Stanley, but Juwan James also got hurt in the game. So they're down to their third string re- left tackle. So there was a lot there that like the Jets should have taken advantage of. But Lamar didn't run crazy. Like he didn't own them in this game. He didn't make them look foolish. It really came down to two busted coverage plays and a really nice catch by Devin Duvernay, really. So 
that that's the game. Like it's three plays. It's not. And, and again, I'm not happy with the way they lost because the offense looked totally inept and we're going to get into the game plan a little bit. And again, a lot of their shortcomings, but let's start with the defense here. Sliz. I thought the linebackers looked good. They looked fast. Quan looked fast. Uh, CJ say what you want about CJ. I mean, we know already he's going to be chasing guys all over the field because he's just not that caliber of player anymore, which is fine. Secondary looked good overall. DJ Reed, very athletic, very, very athletic interception late in the game. I mean, you'd hope he'd make more plays like that throughout the game, but highest rated, one of the highest rated defenders on the field, according to pre, uh, pro football focus. Number one um, rated corner in the NFL this week. There you go. So there, there's certainly things to be happy about on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, definitely. And and you didn't even mention Sauce Gardner. He, mm-hmm. he he was awesome, right? And and kind of the highlight play was that zone coverage where Mark Andrews comes across the field, he picks him up, trails, gets the arms up, break you know, awesome pa- pass breakup. Right. And, and Sauce, we were using him, you know, the you, you get the question, maybe jumping ahead a couple couple bullets <laughs> here, but uh Bryce Bryce Hall was on the field on that crazy catch Duvernay had in the end zone. Right. It's like, oh man, why was Bryce on the field? Why is not why is Sauce not outside? Like, what are we doing? And we we trusted Sauce to man up Mark Andrews, their best player, their best weapon. That speaks a lot. And and Sauce did well, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, that speaks for itself. As a whole, our, our defensive line did awesome. Quinnen graded out uh very highly as well. I know kind of in the aftermath and, and maybe the the Twitter still still raging a little bit at the result was like oh man he was invisible all game it's like you need you need to grade games against lamar jackson specifically lamar jackson josh allen are are kind of in a tier of their own you need to grade grade it a little bit differently right Right. where there were there there were two quinn pressures that jumped out to me where he he won that rep and if it's not Lamar Jackson, it's probably if if it's not a QB hit, it's a sack. With Lamar Jackson, he just floats out and does his thing, right? Mm-hmm. But but all in all, this defense and Sala had a lot of criticism last year. Defensive minded head coach, by far the worst defense in the league. They invested a good amount into the defense. We we brought in the two corners, Reed and Sauce, that we mentioned, who both looked. I mean, they they both delivered on what we brought them in to do. We invested a ton into that edge room and, and the defensive line as a whole, and it looked good, right? And and I know the sack numbers weren't there, but again, it's Lamar Jackson. They played to contain him, and they we contained him. This was uh, yep. some I think Michael Nania put the stat. This was the least number of rushing yards a Lamar Jackson offense has had in his NFL career. Yep, that that speaks volumes, and, and like you said, they were a little short-handed, but. But we we game plan we executed on defense, and outside of outside of Joiner really blowing the game open not once but twice, but twice. With, <laughs> with, the, with the DPI and and the blown coverage, like if if you even if you just scrape one of those off the board right, like we're right into that game till the end, and and I know people say oh it's garbage time garbage this garbage that. If you look, there are a lot of bad teams that looked good or made games close in quote unquote garbage time around the league. And if you look at like the Detroit Lions, Detroit Lions were down two to three scores most of that game. They ended up making it close, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you look at the New York Giants, which I know everyone's all over, uh, Brian, a lot of Jets fans want Brian Dable. Oh, Brian Dable turned around instantly, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Jets saw where everyone's yeah. all sad, everyone's mad. It's one like, week, people. One week, it, please. Bra- number Bra- one. Brian but. Dable, they, they had zero points at halftime playing against a worse team than, than we were playing against. They only scored what 21 points? Like they it's not like they really did much either. And if you look at how they did it, they had two explosive plays on offense that made the difference. They they had a run play go for 60 yards, they had a pass play go for like 50, 60 yards. We didn't have those plays, and that's the difference, right? We gave up two of those plays. We didn't have those plays on offense. That was the difference in our game. We we gave up explosive plays and we didn't have any. Right. I think, you know, Sliz, it's tough because I understand where this fan base is coming from, right? It's so many good vibes this offseason. You know, then Beckton gets hurt and then Zach gets hurt and Zach's out and you have to watch Flacco's corpse. And listen, I want to apologize because I thought Flacco would be better. And to be fair, his his numbers when he wasn't pressured were actually pretty good. I want to say he was actually like 32 or 40 when he wasn't under pressure and in, in, in a clean plot pocket with like 236 yards which like listen the interception's not on him because cager falls down um he's obviously immobile i would have liked to see a different game plan i mean the 13 personnel was i i get it like that's why you aren't seeing tight ends utilizing the pass game a lot because they're out there blocking uh but ultimately i'm not i'm not overly disappointed with this game like I'm just not. I they looked so much worse in every single facet of the game last year, defensively, at least. And if, even even on offense, at a lot of times, like right. we we could run the ball yesterday for the most part. We had wide receivers making plays. It was just a, a lack of consistency. Right. And really, really, the two spots where it broke down were the two spots that we kind of knew we were going to have issues going into the game, which was offensive line with the injuries and shuffling pieces and, and with the quarterback right. and you know, all the, all the chemistry that Zach builds up over the year, over the, the off season. And then we're, we're going back to Joe Flacco. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree with you. Flacco, Flacco was rough and it, it, he was rough, not even so much because of what he was or wasn't doing as a passer. And, and and I think what it really jumped out when I was watching the Monday night game with Gino, right? And and Gino is what Gino is what he is, right? Like he had that great first half and did absolutely nothing in the second half. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the two the two touchdowns that the Seahawks had, Gino Smith was able to move around in the pocket a little bit, avoid a pressure, and then capitalize on an exposed back end. And we mm-hmm. with Flacco, you just don't have it. And he 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 has cement shoes. He's not climbing the pocket. He had that one where it's like he had to take two steps forward in an otherwise pretty clean pocket, and then had like a five yard uh, dump off to Brees and just like totally threw it in the dirt. It's like he he cannot move. He's just mm-hmm. a statue. And and it takes it takes a, a whole element out of out of the offense. And and you see it, you you saw it with Zach, but you see it just in all the implementations of this offense, where that thirteen personnel, that thirteen personnel looks a little bit better if you can PA boot off of it. You're right. not boot, you're not putting, Flacco you're not booting with full Flacco, right. right? Right. You're not putting them. You're not giving him any naked boots. You're not running, no moving pockets, none of that that you would otherwise have with Zach. So 
Yeah. So it's <laughs> tough. It's tough. Like you said, it's the things that we expected to be bad or like to be the, the, the shortcomings heading into the game, the offensive line and the quarterback. And that's, you know, two, two blown play. Like you said, two blown coverages. Um, the quarterback wasn't great in the offensive line. That's the difference in the game, man. And like from what I saw last year with, with LaFleur, with this offense, I'm, I'm comfortable knowing that that that's like the least, the offense is like the least of my worries right now. It really is. I mean, with Flacco, it's, it's going to be a tough watch, but on the whole, like if I'm looking over a 17 game season, I'm not concerned with it. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's kind of where I'm at on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm I'm not pressing the panic button either. And I think what makes it feel like as a fan, what makes like a game like this feel so bad, and especially given our history, is just like the Jets cannot score points. Mm-hmm. When you can't score points, it it feels like you just never have a chance, right? It doesn't matter how good the defense plays, it doesn't matter how good individuals on offense play. Like it it just feels helpless because without scoring points, you can't win the game. Right. So I I certainly acknowledge that. I just wanted to put that out there as like a, if you're sitting here and you start looking at things, it's like, Oh man, things do like, it wasn't maybe as bad as it seemed. It's it's because we can't score points. And I, I think that plays into a lot of like, obviously everyone's outraged about Greg Zerline outraged about the kicker situation. It's like, man, if you looked around the league, there were a lot of good kickers that missed field goals this week. And, and granted, not not all of them. You know, I think Greg was the only one that missed a kick and a PAT. So it's like, yeah, I'm not I'm not defending that he did not do well. But it's like you're super extra critical of missing that one field goal when, like, the Jets can never score points and kicking a field goal is the difference between us maybe not scoring any points for the game or, <laughs> you know, getting off the goose egg or, right. or having some on the board and, and, and even just in general. And I know, I know people will say it was in garbage time and yes, we need to open it up a little bit sooner. And I'm hoping they take some lessons from the second half there and, and start implementing it into the game plan next week. But it's like, we were that missed field goal missed, missed extra point and Michael Carter dropped in the end zone on, on a, on that touchdown from covering the spread, which, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a betting guy, but rewind three weeks. People didn't think we had a, a, a chance at Baltimore, right? We, we totally dominated that offense. And, and I don't, I think in part, it is more indicative of, the lack of firepower that that Ravens offense has um, kind of, as I was looking at it in the pregame, the couple days leading up, it's like, man, they really don't have a lot of dynamic pieces. This is it. That is the sort of offense. And, and we have another one coming up next week, right? Against Cleveland where they do two or three things really, really well. And we have enough pieces on defense now to, game plan around those couple things and make them beat you with other things. And in this case, it was Devin Duvernay, which man, if Devin Duvernay is beating you and the Ravens are only scoring 24 points and you're limiting their, you're limiting their yards gain. I think we gained a decent amount more yardage than they did. Yep. Um, Like you'd take that every single day. Right. Um, I I think the, the kicking is frustrating, but it's not the end all be all 
kickers, kickers, especially in the modern day, with the extra point being further out, it it it's gonna happen. I don't know. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I know people don't want to hear that, but I think as we're we're kind of seeing with other positions, it's like just making a change for the sake of making a change isn't isn't gonna really yield different results. Right. Like Joe Douglas has brought in a ton of kickers over the past couple of years. A ton. I know mm-hmm. people say, oh man, like not landing a kicker is a black mark on Joe Douglas. It's like, yes, it is, but it's also like we've brought in so many kickers. And, and when you read the practice reports, right, it's not like we're we're signing guys that are making two of five in practice. Like like Greg was right. pretty much perfect in preseason. It like kicking is so mental. So much of it is just how what what happens on the field when you're in the stadium. Maybe slick conditions play into it, but I don't know. I feel like that's wasted energy just griping over the kicker position and the yeah. the three points we left on on the board when it's like, man, that was so far from the issue. Right, I, you know. So I think we're we're kind of on the same page here, and that like maybe to some people listening, it sounds like hopium, right? And maybe some of it is copium. I don't know, but. I, I do look at this game and say, we can be a competitive football team. Like there's no reason we can't be the one thing there. There are a few things that I want to see more from this team. Number one, I want to see more Garrett Wilson on the field, please. Like I, I feel like LaFleur got a little bit cute with the game plan. If we're being honest, like at, at some point, and we know that Robert Sala is all about the meritocracy, right? You have to earn your spot. You have to earn your snaps. And I get that. It's, it's a very like old school mentality, but at the same time, you're in a position where you have to put your most talented players on the field early and often, right? Number one. Number two, I need to see, and this is something that I said on the season previous list, I need to see our defense get home. Yes, it's good to see that we're moving the pocket and Quinnen had a monster game, which is good to see, but the pass, the pass rush win rate was the, I'm going to say one of the, among the worst in the NFL this week. And if we don't have a rotation of JJ, Carl Lawson, all of our edge guys not getting home, that's going to be bad <laughs> the rest of the season, right? It's just, it's, it's, so I think that they're going to gel together. They're going to play well together as, as it goes on. I think these units, just like the offensive line, they'll learn to play a little bit more co- cohesively. That's why I'm not too concerned about the offensive line because these guys didn't have the practice reps over, you know, with, with all the shuffling, with everything. We'll get into this on the, on the therapy couch sec- segment in a second, but. I, I just like I have confidence that the things that went wrong in week one won't happen again in week two. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I, I think certainly on the offensive line, it it does take time to gel, and we saw mm-hmm. it like last year. Just rewind Dude, one year ago; they Dude, were week one last awful, year. Awful. Week one, they, how, week how many one. sacks? How many sacks did they give up week one last year? Seven sacks, I think. Yeah, they seven were or eight. Awful. It was the same. It was, and it was then bad. By, then three week, two, three weeks in, they were fine, right? right. And, and clicking on all cylinders. So it's like right. you, you do you have to hold out hope, especially when you're looking at okay, who really, really dropped the ball? Man, it wasn't it wasn't the rookie Max Mitchell, and mm-hmm. he had, he had an up and down game. But it's like man, it's the two vets that you're paying a lot of money to. It's Lincoln right. Tomlinson and it was George Fant. So it's right. like man, that's disappointing, but it's also. You know they're professionals. You know they're better. Go do it, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean the the offensive line again, even with Dwayne Brown, with you know, put him on a milk carton because who knows, right? 
Um, even with Dwayne Brown and, and his status for it's seemingly 2022 now, Robert Sala didn't really sound too hopeful. You still have four out of your five essentially projected starters along the offensive line. You're just throwing Max Mitchell into the fire now and saying, hey, man, learn by do, learn by doing. That's it. You still have Fant, you still have Tomlinson, McGovern, and 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 AVT, who was who had a very, very good game. Uh, highest rated offensive player from this past week, according to Pro Football Focus. So I'm I'm confident that they're going to figure that out. I'm not I'm not overly concerned. My only hope is that, and I've said this to you, Sliz, not only on the podcast, but in, in the Discord, I just hope that Fant's 2021 season wasn't a mirage. And with the knee injury and the limited practice, like he, he was limited in practice last week and coming off of, you know, getting an e-scope, whatever it was this offseason, I just hope that 2021 was indicative of who he is as a player, because if it's not, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble at left tackle. Oh um, yeah. But, Big time. Yeah. We, but, uh, we, we elevated Herman's. I assume we're going to this upcoming week too. Mm-hmm. Like we are, we are hurting at tackle right now. Yeah. And again, we'll get to this at the, on the therapy couch, but uh, just a few more things that I want to point out on the rundown here on the runway rundown before we move on. What did you see from the offense, Liz? Um, I know we talked about Flacco. What are some of the tendencies that you saw? Because the one thing I noticed is we had a lot of runs between the tackles this week. I I, I don't see us turning into a power running team, <laughs> ultimately, right? Uh, we'll see. But it was a little bit surprising to me because from what I, you know, this is the eye test. I need to go back and, and watch it, watch the game more in depth. But from what I noticed, when they were running outside, it didn't look too bad. I mean, the first play of the game, first play from scrimmage was Michael Carter breaking loose for 13 yards off the edge. And I understand Fant isn't the best run blocker in the world, but that's something I'd like to see more of. Just tons and tons of running runs between the tackles. What are some things you noticed? Yeah, so on those runs, I think a, a lot of it was by design. I think our 13 personnel, I think our run tendencies early were very much by design to help our offensive line get in a mm-hmm. groove, right, and to attack and then hopefully build off of that. I, I wish the All-22 was out. I really want it. I, I want to take a look in study of how open our guys were downfield, yeah. right? Like, it, it was an awesome sign seeing Elijah Moore more or less bail us out a couple times, drawing several flags and, and keeping the sticks moving on, on third downs a lot of the time. I think he drew two illegal contacts or holding penalties down the field on third down, which is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. that's what he needs to do. Now, we, we got to get him the ball more, yeah. but, but that's good, right? Um, Corey Davis, and people are saying, oh, he had that bet. Dude. I, I'm, I'm, I'm choose, so your, choose your next, choose your next words very carefully. Okay. So, so choose, so choose your next words very carefully. I'm so tired of Corey Davis discourse is all he, he played very well in the second half. He had a lot of tough catches and took a lot of massive hits. Um, I'm just saying it was slippery early in the game and Flacco put the ball behind him. That's all I'm saying. He almost, people, he people al- need to re redefine their, their definition of drop. And he he almost did not beat the bum allegations this week. That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right. I mean, yeah. I, I I just I don't know, man. I I look. I'm very I'm very difficult on receivers. I really am. To be fair, uh, I think if a ball hits your hands or hits you in the sh- like if it, man, it is then you got to yeah. catch the ball. I'm sorry. Like that's just the way I view it. I know that's not the reality of it, but it hit his it hit his shoulder pad. It wasn't the best throw. But I look at him and I say. 
that's a that's a catch he should make. But to be fair, whether or not you think he should have made that catch, he was very good in the rest of the game. He definitely made he made good on it. Like he was he was excellent the rest of the game. So I can't be too mad at him. But like I said, he was very very close to not beating those bum allegations. But <laughs> I'm I'm fine yeah. with it. I'm fine with it. You know, I, I, I just want to see him move it move it this week. Yeah, I think one of the highlights, and uh, other than the the Garrett Wilson joystick play, and that, like you said, get that dude on the field more. Like mm-hmm. Michael Carter, dude. I, I know he had the drop, but like he was good all day. He he does not get taken down when he runs. He hits the hole hard. He's good in the pass game. Um, I don't know. Br- Brees was up and down. You, you probably want to see a little bit more from him. But like, man, Michael Carter's good. <laughs> mm. That's all there's I see. A, Michael Carter's good. There's a reason that Michael Floor said he's the heartbeat of the offense, right? And I think you see it. And this doesn't mean much to people I understand, but you see it from a leadership standpoint, right? He certainly seems to be a guy that's cool in any role that you give him, which is nice. And if he is going to be the starting back, I don't think he's by the end of the season. I think. Brees is going to be the bell cow of this offense. I think, you know, you draft him in the second round. That's the role that they envision with him. Like, listen, save your, save your takes on, on whether or not taking like it's happened around, around to your running back. Like it's already happened. We just have to make do with it now. It's fine. But Michael Carter's a dude that very much seems comfortable in any role that you give him. And I love what I saw from him this weekend. Please stop dropping the ball though. Um, Moving forward. It's good to see that he's going to be a player for us throughout throughout the 2022 season. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned dropping the ball. Like, our fumble luck, man, and this it's is just so, a, a generic just so grab. Like, how many, how many forced fumbles have we had over the past couple of years that we just cannot recover? I've, like, mm-hmm. I know Nania did, did a study of, over the offseason on it. Like, our our – our our fumble luck is near worse than the league, and it's like even if you just, if you put us at average, we'd have like one one more plus turnover per game, and that's significant, man. Like I don't know, like I alluded to us us scoring a couple. Like if Michael Carter doesn't doesn't drop that touchdown, if Greg Zerline hits those kicks, but it's like man, if Brees doesn't fumble that one, if Tyler Conklin doesn't fumble that one and, and make us settle for three. If we recover the Mike Davis fumble on the wallop hit by DJ Reed, by the way, if we recover that one and we had guys there too, it's like, man, mm-hmm. they, I, and, and, and I'm, they scored on that drive too. So yep. it's like, it's like key plays where it's like, man, we're this close on so many things. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. And you hear Sala when Sala said like, and I know it's cheesy and we're going to get to Sala top comments later, but when he says they like we lost that game, they didn't beat us. Like, man, it it was true on on all phases. Like on defense, they let them off the hook on a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. On offense, we fumbled the game away and, and and dropped it and and just generally could not block on the left side at all. Right. So I don't know. Like looking at the scoreboard, the way that the pace of the game went, like, yeah, I get why people feel awful. Not being able to score points never feels good. And we've been not able to score points for like six years. So it feels extra bad. It's like, you can see the talents there. 
it, on, right. on, in a lot of different spots. It, it is definitely a lot different of a roster than the past two years. Right. Yeah. And, and that brings us to, we mentioned it on Monday, Robert Sala ruffled some feathers, right? And we're going to get to Jets fans and what this means for Jets fans and all this stuff. But I do want to read his quote that he, he had at Monday's media availability. You're just going to feel it. And in a way, it, uh, and in a way, it does just click stacking up day after day after day. And it's really, really cool when it does happen because it absolutely pops off the tape. And I know it's going to happen. And we're all, this is the money quote here. And we're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and say that we ain't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts and I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. All right, Sliz, let's hear it. What, what do you what did you take? What did you what do you take from Robert Sala's his press conference and the receipts quote here? Yeah, I'm I'm following your your shout out to, to Robbie Sabo earlier. I think he hit the nail on the head. It's it's one of those things, no matter what Sala says, people are gonna jump all over him. I I'd rather my coach be be frankly pissed off and fired up and carry that energy into the locker room and just look to stack it and build upon it rather than mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, look at our last head coach who blamed every, took no accountability, blamed everything on everybody else. Right. Like there's no winning position for you to take as a coach in this. If you, if he takes the super boring Belichickian way of, Oh man, we just got to move on to next week. We got to get better. It's like, Oh man, this guy doesn't care at all. Well, I, He's going to get criticized no matter what. I think this one, the, this quote, I don't think was nearly as like kind of out there as some of his other quotes, but I don't know. He's going to have a lot of, he's going to have a lot of receipts to come through in Jets Discord. I can tell right. you that there, yeah. there are a lot of anti-Sala uh, folks out there, which yep. kind of blows my mind, but is what it is. Run, Larry, who else? Who, who, who are the rest of these these fools? Listen, man. I Zingy, mean, George or. Oh, goodness. Listen, man. Um, Milan. Ultimately, it means it's all window dressing, bro. Like yep. anything that Salah says in a press conference will essentially mean absolutely zero to what they do on the field on Sunday. And that's all I want to see. And again, I'm not happy with the fact that they lost on Sunday at all. And I still think encouraged is the wrong word to use. But ultimately, you can definitely see, like you said, Sliss, the talent is there for them to be competitive this year. Um, and, and that's all that matters to me. Like everything else. And like like you said, there's a faction of Jets fandom who like will hate this from him. And they'll just say, dude, just coach, this, just coach the freaking team. And then the other half of Jets fandom will be like, oh, I love this. I love that he's finally showing a little bit of that San Francisco passion that he that he had that maybe he hadn't showcased so far. But listen, I it means nothing to me. Like if that's his rallying cry to the locker room, cool, great, whatever. If that's something that they rally around and say, all right, our coach has got our back, cool, great, whatever. I appreciate the level of petty a little bit. My only fear is, or or my only thing is like, I'm very, very like, I don't want to hear Jets fans complaining about this. If they go, I don't want to say five and 12, but if they win four games this year and then Salah's like pretty much out the door, right? And then they look inept the rest of the season, but I don't want to hear anybody complaining about this. I just don't like one way or the other, but he's, he's given a lot of people a lot of fuel and it could go either way. It could go either way is what it comes down to. So ultimately a win games and 
everyone's happy. That's winning cures everything. Yeah. Winning cures everything. So uh, that'll do it for the runway rundown. As we move forward, I, I think Sliz is going to pilot this section because it's something of a of a Joe Rivera run joint here. I want you guys to step into my office. Uh, don't call me Doctor J because that nickname is taken. Uh, but it, you know, and I also don't have a doctorate, but that's it worked fine for Doctor Pepper and Doctor Dre, so whatever. Um, this is the Jets fan therapy couch, and Jets fans have a lot to complain about all the time. When the day that they eventually win the Super Bowl, they'll com- be complaining that they didn't win by enough. Um, so every week after loss, or most weeks after loss, I'd imagine people will have lots of things to say. So some of the, mo- these takes are all coming from Discord. The, these comments are all coming from Discord, and I'm going to try and ease your minds a little bit and talk you through it. So, Sliz, the first one is is actually from you. So why don't you you read off your your comment for the Jets fan therapy couch? Yeah. So Joe. Why is our offensive line so bad despite all the resources we put into it? There's there's certainly a hint of disdain in your voice, my friend. And and the, you know, you did list off I I, 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 I might here. I might uh after your answer, I might have to pop off on this one because yeah, I'm quite I'm quite fl- frankly a little heated on this yeah. specifically. I certainly I certainly understand, Sliz. And listen, when you invest that much money into the offensive line and you have the figures here 47 million dollars is essentially devoted into our offensive line and that's the cardinals are in second place at 43 million dollars so there's a lot of money invested there and you're not just talking about money but you're talking about picks you're talking about uh elijah vera tucker you're talking about makai beckton you're talking about um moving up to to draft elijah vera tucker there's a lot like you said there's a lot invested in this the offensive line isn't great right now at this very moment but like we discussed in the runway rundown, I have faith that they're going to gel. It's going to take a little bit of time. Everything in context. I'm a big guy when it comes to context, right? So you head into the season and we discussed this. Joe Douglas's plan of Makai Becton and Hope was always going to be bad, right? We, we acknowledge that. What he did at the tackle position was bad. That being said, you still have four out of your five starters on the offensive line, like we mentioned. Max Mitchell is probably thrown into the fire a little bit earlier. And if Elijah Vera Tucker can build on his week one performance, and he was the highest graded Jets offensive player, Lakin Tomlinson, we know he's better than what he showed, unless he's not, which would be bad news. But we know he's better, at least on the back of his football card, he's better than what he showed. And George Fant's going to need a little bit of time too. This unit's going to just need a little bit of time to, to mesh a little bit better. So it's not pretty. I understand they should be a top, without question, they should be a top 10 top five unit with how much has gone into it. I'm just, I'm just preaching a little bit of patience, get to week four. Let's see what they have. Week two, get to week, get to week three, get to week four until we really know what this offensive line is going to be the rest of the season. Yeah. And I'll add on to our offensive line was, was bad. This is also where you see some of the deficiencies we have at running back in terms of pass protection. There is one delayed safety blitz uh, on one of the highlights I was looking through, and I love Michael Carter. That he dude got cannot, blown up, dude. That, that dude cannot, <laughs> he got blown up. That dude cannot pass block, man. Listen, and, when you're five foot two, it, this, these things happen. Okay. Yeah, it, it was good seeing Brees in there. I think more and more, kind of in that third down roll, it was awesome not seeing Ty Johnson at all. So it's like, <laughs> man, you. Brees is getting a little trial by fire. I think he'll I think he'll step up to the task on the, on third down protection duties. 
Mm-hmm. But man, I, I wanted to put this in here and, and I am very generally pretty optimistic about our team, our coaching staff, our front office and our direction. But I need but- to hashtag hold Joe Douglas accountable. This dude <laughs> was touted as an offensive line guru, right? And I know we started, I know we started from nothing. There is no... There were zero redeemable pieces on this offensive line when he got here. It was a total build from the ground up, build from ground zero. And to do that, you need to overinvest a little bit up front. And funny enough, the the, the pieces he invested right at the get-go and George Fant and Connor McGovern have been two of our most solid pieces over the past couple of years, right? And and it, it hurts just in – it's not even so much the amount of resources that we've put into it. And you laid all that out. It it's how we've done it, and and I've I've been spamming this chart all week that I put together last year, showing the top ten by PFF grade um, offensive line players at each position. So top ten left tackles, top ten left guard, centers, right guards, right tackles, and then charting it by the round that they were taken in. And across the league, there's a very clear, clear trend. And, and it's very, it, even if you go outside the top 10, it's very clear too. Tackles, is a it's a first-round position. Guard has some, fir- it's a little more balanced. Center is like a day three position, right? Where I grip the most and what what frustrates the heck out of me and, and you, you, Shouted out the chart I put in here. The the Jets have the most expensive line in the entire league. And we're paying maybe we're paying one premium player who didn't play like a premium player, but Lakin Tomlinson's your premium player that you're paying, right? We're we're not paying an elite tackle, which command 20 plus million. We're the most expensive offensive line in the league. And where that where that kills me is just the inefficiency of how we spent those assets where we've invested a ton of money on the, the three interior positions, paying McGovern top 10 money, paying Lake and top six money, and then a ton of assets consolidated in AVT, right? We've also not invested a lot in depth at, at, on the interior. So we've paid, we've paid Dan Feeney, who is a, is a decent backup, but we've paid him over 7 million guaranteed over the past two seasons combined, right? It's like, what we did last year at DB investing how what three, four picks into the secondary room plus two safety converts for linebacker, we needed to redistribute how we attack this position. And hey, I know I know going from Feeney to like a round four guy and saving only two, three mil doesn't seem like a big deal, but it adds up over time. And and that's what frustrates me the most is that it's it it's like I, I, in my, my, my blind rage about it, I, I kind of, I use the quote. It's like the, the McKagan version of offensive line building. If he cared about offensive line at all. Right. Or it's <laughs> like he invested all the assets almost like in the backwards priority. So I just wanted to put that out there. The Dwayne Brown news of him going on IR, the most predictable him going on IR man. wasn't predictable per se, but him having issues at his age was predictable. Fan, coming off the so couch. Many fans, coming off the couch. Yeah, there are so many fans 
in Discord on Twitter. Oh man, I don't know, Sliz. How could you have expected? <laughs> like, what what do you want Joe to do? Like, your top two tackles got hurt. Like, the tackle got hurt, and then his backup that he brought. It's like Makai and Prey was never was never a good plan. Right. Bringing in the oldest tackle on the market, other than Jason Peters, and paying him a, a paying him nine million guaranteed. Pro and in the process, you yanked your one reliable tackle that you've had the past two years and yanked them in this constant chain back and forth all preseason. And you snip, did it. Snap, you did snip, it. snap, snip, snap. And you <laughs> did, you've done that with Fant since day one, right? When we signed Fant, he was signed to be our left tackle. And then with a Worfs was right there. I wasn't a Worfs guy, but I'll shout out Ant Rob. Worfs was right there. Instead of taking the probably similarly graded right tackle and leaving Fant where we brought him, where, where we signed him to play. We, we, we drafted Makai and moved Fant over. Then he instantly, after the Makai injury, gets swapped over to the left tackle. Then we're like, oh, man, we're probably – maybe we switch him back to right tackle. And then they decide, okay, you're going to be at left. But no, then Makai gets hurt again. And then for some reason we sign a left tackle, flip him back – George Fant has every right to be pissed and it's a hundred percent showing up in his play. And for those that say, Oh, he's getting paid. You know, he, he's a swing tackle. He, he should just shut up and do whatever. It's like, he's a free agency this off season. This is going to be his last chance at a big payday. He wants to play well as, he wants to play as well as possible more than anybody to cash in on this payday. Moving him back and forth three times this preseason isn't helping anybody, especially when we have a brand new left guard. You have a second year right guard that you flip positions on. Like you are not doing anyone favors by moving everyone around nonstop. And I just need to get it all off the chest there. <laughs> this is a therapy he's, he's session worked, for me as much as anybody up, else. He's he's as red as a cherry. He's sweating and he's tearing off his shirt right now. This is unbelievable. But like, like I like you could a go lot. twelve rounds. Sliz is going to go twelve rounds with a kangaroo right now, man. I, I like a lot of stuff Joe has done. This is not one of them. I liked the investment. I liked the priority in offensive line. But man, for what we what the amount of assets we had to invest in it, it feels like. And I do think it will get better. It will get better this season, and it'll probably be good enough. Right, it'll probably be good enough to the point where if we add one tackle next year, we're probably okay, right? But like, it just feels like, and and this isn't a symptom of like, oh man, well, what do you want them to do this off season? No, this is backing up one, two off seasons and building that pipeline, building building it up. So if you do have an injury, if you do have um, one to two players not work out, like a Cam Clark that you have you have reinforcements in that room so i'm done offensive line got me worked up i, I was heated after He's the getting Dwayne worked Brown up. news i'm still heated but <laughs> hey make it stuff miles garrett on sunday and i will be quiet and i will praise joe as much as the next guy mm-hmm. <laughs> all right take take a breath and then read this next one to me <laughs> All right. <laughs> Need a swig of water? You good? All right. All right. So ne- next one's by Spooky Girl. 
It's why does Joe Flacco have a face where it looks like he's always crying? The team can't take him seriously. Well, number one, he went to Delaware. So there's that. Uh, Number two, he plays for the New York football jets. So there's that. Uh, Listen, man. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say here. Flacco is Flacco is who he is at this point. Right. Everybody was like, Oh, well maybe he can be Vinny 2.0. Well, that was, I don't think that was ever going to actually happen because Vinny had, a certain level of moxie that Flacco just doesn't, unfortunately. And listen, even I said on this podcast, Liz, and I own this 100%, I thought the offense would be a better fit for him at this stage in his career than what we saw on Sunday. I definitely thought there would be more quick passes. I thought there would be a little bit more ball in the hand, ball out of the hand offense. But, I mean, I don't know. Why does Flacco look like he's always crying? I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't listen to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast, and that would make him feel a lot better. Yep, there it is, baby. All right, next one from EE. Where where would you put the Jets on the power rankings after week one? That's tough, man. ESPN had us at number 32, I bottom mean, of the list. Listen, is it deserved? I don't know. I mean, power rankings are all fake anyway, right? Ultimately, especially, especially after week one, especially after week one. Right. And there's a lot of power rankings where let's be honest, these, these people aren't watching every game on Sunday. And some of them probably looked at the box score and said, man, 24 to nine, the jets got their asses beat, but watching the game, it never really felt that way. So where would I put them? I don't know. Somewhere in the 25 to 30 range. I don't think, I mean, they haven't done enough to, to jump up, but I, don't think that they're if you were to put them play them against the Falcons every week, I don't think they would be any worse or any worse than the Falcons or even the Jaguars. I guess we'll find that out later in the season or so I don't know. I, I would put them probably somewhere in the 25 to 30 range. I'll tell you the the Dak Prescott list, Dallas Cowboys are probably worse than us. They won't do that. They won't rank them lower than us, but they're probably worse. There's nothing pretty about that team. Right no, now. I mean, we knew that there, and we'll get into, I don't know if we'll get into this, but we knew that their wide receiver room was going to be a mess, right? I mean, Noah Brown and, and CD, I mean, CD, if he's playing inside, if, if CD's playing slot, like, I don't know, man. And yeah. Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush is your hope. I mean, bad news, bad news. Yeah, maybe we can trade him Mike Wake back, baby. I was thinking All that right. too, you know, I'm sure <laughs> that they, they'd welcome him back, you know, whatever. Next one. So this is from a fireball asking, why am I always right? And he was referring, he was a big Eddie Pinheiro guy in the preseason. So um, referring to Eddie over Zerline or or really just Zerline's bad game. Yeah. I mean, listen, um, you certainly have a right to feel that way because like we talked about on this very episode, Liz, it certainly feels odd that we haven't, been able to figure out kicker. I don't really know if kicker is a position you figure out. You just find a guy you like and you stick with him, right? The thing, and we said it about, we said it either last episode or a couple episodes ago that give me the guy with the leg who can hit from 52 yards as opposed to the guy who's going to kick ducks from 45, I think ultimately is what it came down to. And if Zerline can stay healthy, I'm fine. But this, this is another one of those like week one overreactions. Like just take a breath. Like it's, it'll be, hopefully the situation will rectify itself. If not, then, you know, we revisit it again, but I don't think it's anything to get worked up about. Not at this point in the year. Hot Rod 
is not the answer. <laughs> he, he is a worse version of Eddie Pinero. I'm just he's putting got, that out there. He's not he's, the answer. He's got cool. He's got cool glasses though. He's got lots Eddie of. He's got, he's got lots of personality, Sliz. Yep. Lots of personality. Hey, if personality won games, we we'd be doing all right. We we would have been we would have been we would have been in the Super Bowl when we had Jamal Adams if personality won games. Yikes. <laughs> moving up. Poor moving Jamal on. Yeah, Adams. let's let's not let's not. Poor Jamal yeah. Adams on the injury. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So so this last one's from Ninja. I, I know it's far too early, but if you had to make the call right now, would you nuke the front office and start again next year? No, I'm not there yet. Cool. Oh, I, I think I, I think the piece. Listen, Sliz, we we talked about it on this episode. The pieces are there. We see it, right? This team isn't without its red flags. Second, I mean, you hope to God that they figure out the safety position. Like you, blowing coverages like that is going to be a killer this season, especially with how much we invested in the cornerback room. And I, I have faith that it'll be better, but. I just I see the pieces and they're not in this position where if it doesn't work this year, then we're screwed next year, right? Like there's still have there's still some cap things they have to figure out next year, but I just don't see like in a world where, oh God, this is this is our only year where we have to figure it out. And a lot of it too is is on Zach too when he gets back, right? Like I think people are kind of missing that part of this conversation too, is that without Zach, like you don't want to say these are wasted games, but what are we really learning about the team? What are we learning about the offense right now? Not much. We're not learning anything about Douglas either, but I think it's just my, my snap judging is no, it's, it's much, much too early to be having those conversations. We'll see where they are after the season. I've maintained that I'm much more patient than most Jets fans are. I think that the, the impatience of, of, yeah, well, it's been 10 years. It's been, you know, totally inept, you know, all of this, like you can't put that all on Douglas though. Right. And you can't put that all on Sala. So hey, I, I say this, me, me and small chimp say this all the time. Sucking for a decade doesn't give us a fast pass to rebuild. Right. Like the league does not care how long we have sucked. And you, you can look at the Browns, for example, the Browns, even the bills right before pre Josh Allen, like those teams were bad for a, for a, for a minute, right? The Bills were pretty bad for about 15 years. The Browns were bad, bad, bad. Worse than we've been. Oh, yeah. For a long stretch. Just because you're bad and because you're you're miserable as a fan, your team, like, you don't get to corner cut. You don't get to jump in line. You don't get a handicap. Your handicap is, is in draft position, and that's it. You still have to hit and develop and grow. Right. So I just wanted to put that out there. There's no fast pass. Being right. miserable doesn't make anything better. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, I understand why people want to have those conversations because the 2020 draft is a wash, but the way I view it, and I understand why people don't view that view it this way. It's the second year of the Sala Douglas partnership. Right. And I understand, like, if you want to talk, well, Douglas was hired however many years ago now, well, 20, 2019, he was hired. So he's in his fourth year on the job. He's had three drafts now. Like, I get all that. And people have every right to be mad about that 2020 draft. We've explained that there's reasons behind it, you know, whether it was COVID and not being able to scout or, or, or you know, whatever that was before, but, you know, with, with Gase and all this stuff, right, built into it, all the baked into it. So, um, 
I get all that, but it's just for me, it's still too early. It's still too early to go there. So I don't know. So our, our next next segment here, I assume you're rolling through all this. So we, we got an around the league in roughly 60 seconds highlighting kind of everything that happened around the NFL this this past weekend. All right, 60 seconds on the clock. And here we go. This is around the league in roughly 60 seconds. Mac is back, but Mac's back is bad as Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins took the fight to Bill Belichick, Matt Pat, and the Pats. Return of the Mac. Josh McDaniels is back as a head coach, but the Raiders dropped their opener to the Bolts. Meanwhile, Nathaniel Hackett can't hack it as the Broncos fall to the Seahawks on Monday night. Brady does Dallas. TB12 was back against Dak and the boys, and boy, did that not go well for Big D. The Vikings took it to the pack, as did the commies to the Jags. The Eagles pecked the Lions while the Cardinals and the Falcons coupled for bird gang losses to the Chiefs and Saints, respectively. The Bills flipped the proverbial bird to the Rams on Thursday night. And speaking of flipping the bird, Baker Mayfield lost in his return to the land. The Texans and Colts played in a tie while Brian Dable and the Giants said not I in their gutsy win. On a soggy soldier field, Justin Fields and the Bears marched past the 49ers and the Tiger King can't defend the jungle with the Steelers taking out Joe Burrow and the Bungles in a thriller. This was around the league in roughly 60 seconds. I like it. Nicely done. Nicely done. I practice at least 15 times. And I'm just kidding. But yeah, all right. Yeah, so yeah. I need a breath after that. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's bring it back to this past weekend. So a segment that we're going to introduce for the regular season is the Top Gun star of the game. So uh, shout out Zingy for giving us this idea. You know, this is the Jets Discord podcast, and we always appreciate the ideas that you guys have, if you have any. So, uh, Sliz, who did you pick for this week's Top Gun? Yeah, so there are a couple options, and really, I think the, the this individual solidified his, his winning spot here as Top Gun based on the post game, based on the presser, right? So Top Gun, DJ Reed. After the game, we learned uh, he he found out his dad passed away right right in the leading up moments to the game. Still played, and man, he played well. I, I mentioned it before: five targets, no completions on him. He had that interception, and he had a forced fumble. He had a good tackling grade, highest rated corner in Week One based off PFF. Obviously, best one of the best grades on the Jets as well. He he had he. He had an awesome game, probably, yeah. It's week one, right? Looking like a great signing, though. Right, yeah. And reading, uh, shout out to Dennis Wazak from the Associated Press who covers the Jets, and he, he had a great story on Reed and how uh, Reed's father was on life support this past week, and they they took him off a ventilator, and just heart wrenching stuff. So uh, we'll get into this with the geek of the week, but people don't make snap judgments, so. That DJ Reed, well deserved, great Jets debut, and if he pans out, then our cornerback room is looking solid. But let's let's turn it to a little less serious, but still well deserved. This is the geek of the week, and man, were there some geeks to pick from this week? Yeah, yeah, we're we're loaded. So <laughs> can kind of, I mean, I I could not narrow it down to one. These were all too good. I had to I had to go through all of them. Right, so. um Highlighting on the game, Geek of the Week from the game, 100% LaMarcus Joyner. Mm-hmm. This dude, the terrible DPI where he, like, it, it wasn't even like he he was in pass coverage and, like, 
roughed up the guy to stop a pass or, or like just got grabbed. Like he just like straight up ran into him, man. Like mm-hmm. it, it was so bad between that and then the blown coverage on the grade where you have, you have sauce over there pointing like, yo, I'm the rookie. Get over. The vet, mm-hmm. but, but get your butt over there. That's your mm-hmm. job. Why are you in my quarter? Like LaMarcus Joyner geek of the week from the game um, rolling into the next one. So I don't want this to be a Connor Hughes slander segment, but this is just more generic observation. And and Hughes is is the guy kind of in this instance that really jumped out of, I know fans are pissed. I know, you know, players doing celebrating, doing whatever, when you're losing in a game always gets criticized, but it's like, man, there's such a social media trend and just trend in society of trying to be the, the first one rushing to get the Duncan, right? Like just trying to, Oh man, just, just trying to get the hot take, trying to get the Duncan, trying to predict who the next, you know, what the next hot take is. So you're, you're throwing it out as quick as possible. It's like, slow down folks. You don't know what you don't know. Even, even without the backstory, like, Dude, this guy made an awesome play. Let him celebrate it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know your thoughts on that being in media and, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Sliz, if you haven't, I'm, I'm pretty measured. Like I don't like having snap reactions to things because not only is it lame to me, but again, you don't know the story behind it. And, you know, I, I mentioned on this, on this podcast that I teach a class at Rutgers multimedia sports reporting. And one of the things I tell people is, Trust your eyes, but verify, right? Trust, but verify. So for me, seeing DJ Reed celebrating in the middle of the field is certainly a weird thing, but wait till after the game to ask him what it was about, right? Like, don't just snap off and and you have a better story that way either way. So, yeah, I mean, people got to take a take a breather before they, they tweet things. Like, you should never tweet in general, but just think twice. Think twice. Yeah, so the, our, our next geek will... will probably be applauded by jets discord here is our <laughs> our uh our favorite head coach robert sala in his next day presser and just some of the some of the, like the quotes and verbiage he was using and, and i generally like sala i think he's pretty well spoken and and has his wits about him but man he, like he used the quote instant coffee age uh he was talking about air routes with zach wilson instead of like hey he's just gonna do some individual pr- passes with wide receivers mm-hmm. he's not gonna do any team reps um, he was talking hindsight is 2020 kind of throwing out the cliche when, when talking about the, the 13 personnel, the three tight ends. And then, and then on the, on the, was it the Michael K show when he was being yeah. interviewed and he was kind of popping off and saying that Joe Douglas inherited an expansion roster, which, which he did, but it's like, man, <laughs> like, right. man, Robert, you're, you're, you're feeling, you're definitely feeling the heat a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just thought all those were hilarious, especially when you see them all just strung together, like running through on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, like take a breathe, take a breath, right. take a breather. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think the one thing about Sala is, and we touched on this before, so this is that for me, it's like Jets fans are like, all right, well, we got to start winning football games. Right. And then your head coach starts showing a little bit of that sense of urgency. Right. And like, he starts getting a little bit testy. And it, like you said, it, it is like, he's feeling the heat a little bit. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, this guy needs to shut up and go win football games. It's like, which one do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I don't know. Yep. Anyway, hey, continue hey, with Robert Sala will be a good head coach because he's yelling at people. That's all I have to say. That's all <laughs> the I have screamer. to say on that the one. Screamer. Anyway. Next, we, we got some late additions to geek of the week here. 
like just revealed today on Tuesday, the Browns Keebler elf here at the, the, the fudge stripe cookie <laughs> elf, man, like, like the Browns, the Browns, I, I know their helmet, like their helmet logo is super lame, but you can't like, they couldn't lead like lean into the dog pound. Is this some like brand friendly thing to like try to distract from Deshaun Watson and all that? I, I don't know. Like, it's bizarre to me. Yeah. On, I mean, man. it's, I think it's like a design of like, it's a plan, like a 1940s design or something that they had, but still it's what's worse than the, than the stupid elf logo is when the Browns actually hang 40 on us this weekend on that stupid field. Sorry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that because I'm not a doomer, but um, yeah, it's certainly bizarre. Like you said, you, you got the whole dog pound, you got the bulldogs. You might as well go that direction. I don't understand why, what this elf has to do with anything in 2022, but yeah. And then our, our our top geek for the week. Oh boy. Couldn't, geek. couldn't leave him off. Uh Nathaniel Hackett with what the the worst end of game management I've ever seen in my entire life. Bro, I was dying. I was di- not not in laughter, like I was physically dying watching that last Seahawks drive, bro. Hey, I just a, I a lot of a lot of people have been saying Sala is the worst coach in the league on Jets Discord, and I think I hope most of that's hyperbole because it's too early but nathaniel hackett cemented himself in that spot man <laughs> like I, i'm not i i can't even talk i don't even know what he it makes no sense you you trade all that capital you pay russell wilson that massive contract and you like you're dinking and dunking with the game on the line and then you you kick the set would have been the second longest field goal in history and it's like dude like Come on, man, <laughs> bro. It, and here's the thing. And I wrote all about this on sportingnews.com is that they start the drive with over four minutes to play. So you're effectively in your four minute offense at that point. And not only are you in your four minute offense, but you have three timeouts. So like they decide to play for a long field goal rather than, you know, try and march down the field and take shot. It's just so weak. Like Dude, everything then, about the management drove me insane. Insane. Then the salty timeouts at the end of the game after they turn it, like after they miss the field goal and the Seahawks have it. And he's just like burning timeouts pre-snap just to like, it's just like, dude, just, just get off the field. Let the game be over. Like, come on, man. And he said today, and you know what, to make matters worse, he said today, you know, maybe we should have went for it on fourth and five. Like, yeah. you, you freaking knew this. Like, you knew this. This is why you traded for Russell Wilson and gave him all that money. Like, regardless of the kind of player you think Russ is, when you're putting that much money, you're putting that much faith into a guy. And he yeah. should be the guy to go out and win the game for you. Not a dude who might or might not kick a 64-yard field goal. It's just I f- fully in lockstep with you on the top geek this week, Sliz. I just, yeah, and, he and certainly of course. Of course, in true Jets fashion, because of course we're we're six weeks into this podcast and we've had two coaches that are not at all related to the Jets right now, but they are, <laughs> right? But they are. Scott they Frost are. was week one. Rip Scott Frost fired from Nebraska by now, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then of course Nathaniel Hackett, son of former Jets offensive coordinator Paul Hackett. Love to see it. Yep. Those the, those early 2000 teams, like I can remember watching, I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I can remember watching those games with my dad. And like, I feel like that was the first time in my life I've ever said to myself, I want a guy fired. So <laughs> um, I, I'd imagine that Broncos fans might be feeling the same way by the end of the 2022 season. So, Oof. 
very, very uh, voluptuous Geek of the Week section this week, segment this week. So let's look ahead. So this is a flight plan. So we we, t- we talked about Cleveland week two a little bit. Um, similar type of matchup you have here. Stop the run, right? That Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, stop the run. That's that's key number point number one. And they did that obviously with a depleted Ravens team. Held Lamar in check. You hope they can do that again this week. Yeah, and so so this week it, it is a very similar matchup, right? So uh, and and I have kind of in my notes here the the running backs are a lot better. I think the offensive line is more or less going to be a push. The tackles are a little bit better, but I think the interior is a little bit worse, right? Especially that they they lost J.C. Treader in the off season. Uh, well, really, their their center is going to be the worst spot on the line. So you you need Quinn in to to mm-hmm. try to get over center and attack. Um. Their wide receivers are going to be uh, – Amari Cooper is probably the best wide receiver on both rosters right now, but not, neither wide receiver's room is good, mm-hmm. really. And, and certainly the quarterback play here is a massive downgrade, and we kind of alluded to it earlier. I think our, our defensive line game plan in week one was contain Lamar Jackson. Don't, don't over-attack. Don't over-pursue. Don't let him leak out and burn you with his legs. Man, Jacoby Brissett's not beating you with his legs. Attack, 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 attack. We're going to be teeing off. We we need to sack Jacoby Brissett. And really, I, I'm less worried about Nick Chubb between the tackles. I think we can we can cram enough bodies in there. We need to, to limit Kareem Hunt in space on screens, dump-offs, all that. I know I just said attack. You need to be aware of, of the running back screens because they'll turn that on you. And Kareem Hunt can take any any he can take any ball to the house. Mm-hmm. So I I do think it is a decent matchup on on defense there though. And then on offense, man, Miles Garrett and Javion Jav- Clowney, aka Clown Town. <laughs> it's uh it's not a good draw right especially after seeing how much we struggled last week against clearly inferior to these guys edges um yeah we we need to get the ball out probably get it out quick i think we've talked about a lot of things we want to see different on the offense i want to see the ball get out quick i want to i want to attack with our tight ends last week was a tough matchup where baltimore has the best safety room i think mm-hmm. pretty definitively in the league Cleveland does not, and they have some undersized linebackers. I know, I know uh, JOK is pretty good in space. He's quick, but we should be able to attack over the middle of the field, and we, we just need to get it out quick and run the ball between the tackles. I know we just talked about their bookends. Um, we're going to see a lot more of that running between the tackles, though. Their interior defensive line really kind of up the middle. Similar to us, up the middle is is where they're weakest. So I expect a healthy dose of Michael Carter. Expect a healthy dose of Brees Hall. And please, Brees Hall, do not dance. Do not bounce it outside. Hit the hole, man. Run some inside power and just hit the hole. There will be opportunity if he does that. I hope they're pounding that into his head this week. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Sliz. And again, I'm in lockstep with you with the game plan this week. I think... Again, looking at this, I don't view it as it's not a winnable game. I mean, you're going on the road, which might be a little bit tougher in that stupid field, but uh, I I just, Jacoby Brissett is the key here for me. Uh, Yes, they're going to run the ball a lot, but he's going to give you your opportunity. He's going to give you opportunities, right? He's going to give you opportunities throughout the game. And you saw that in in week one. So um, I I do want to see, I want to see this defensive line just attack and I want to see them get home. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see. I do think it's a winnable game. 
I was just going to say it is rough. I, I kind of wish, and I've been, I've been as vocal anti Mike white as anyone, but mm-hmm. you clearly saw Joe Flacco not being able to move in the pocket, like affect our ability to do anything on offense. Don't I, say I would, I would be open to a Mike white. Mike white isn't the solution, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure that I'm sure LaFleur is pouring it over. Um, something, one, one, one comment that's been shared around a lot. I forget who tweeted out on Twitter, but it was, it was commentary after the, I believe it was the Tampa Cowboys game about how they did. Tampa did such a good job on offense, prioritizing players and not scheme and just getting the ball into their playmakers hands, whether that was a Leonard Fournette, whether that was a Mike Evans, uh, and and so on, right? Using using Julio, re- revitalized Julio now on the TB12 plan on a jet sweep, and <laughs> I think I saw he recorded two his two of his fastest top speeds yep. since 2020, right? It's like we we need to do that. Whether it's get do, using like an Elijah Moore and some jet sweeps, we need to throw some slants, get the ball in Garrett's hands, and let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. We need to to take we we need someone to take to blow the top off and take a shot. I think we had one pass attempt longer than 20 yards in, in week one. We need to take a shot, even if it's a fruitless shot. Just take a shot, make them respect it, man. Like Baltimore was playing down on us, playing press on us all game. You need you need to stretch them out a little bit. So I, I'm not players over scheme, get the ball in guys' hands, let them do work. Sounds like you're uh, pulling for uh, Mike White to Denzel Mims this weekend. Sliz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. Uh, what's on your mind? Man, I only got, I only had one thing that popped up in my mind. Yeah. Being in Costco and they already got Christmas trees up. I know Costco is way ahead of the curve, but what, what, are, what's your thoughts on holiday stuff? Like obnoxiously far ahead of the holidays. And I know like they had eat, um, Halloween stuff already Halloween candy already up like one or two months ago. Like, are you a fan? Not a fan? Indifferent? Doesn't matter. I, hate, I, I can't stand it, bro. Like, get me to Thanksgiving, right? Yep. Like, just get me to Thanksgiving first. The day after Thanksgiving, go crazy. You know, I, I'm just tired. And I worked in retail for a while in my former life. Like, I worked at GameStop. I worked in the local mall for 10 years, give or take. Well, not 10 years, but six or seven years I worked there. So for me, it's like, Thanksgiving is very sacred to me because I've worked on Thanksgivings and I've had to cut Thanksgiving dinner short to, to go serve these idiots who are, you know, waiting outside for deals that don't even exist. So like, get me to Thanksgiving. I don't need to see the Christmas tree until, until the black Friday. That's fun. You know, I just stop, stop disrespecting Thanksgiving, please. So that's really my, I I agree. I agree with you there. It's too early. It's too early, man. Get get to the month, get to the month till like there, there is so much time in the year to, to still celebrate this stuff. Like, yeah. And you know, what drives me nuts too is like, yeah, I mean, I, I love shopping. Like I'm a big shopper and like I'm out in stores earlier this year. And we're going to bring it back to shopping in a second because I need to talk about my pants, man. But we're we're in stores earlier this year and like 
it's March and they're already like selling fallware. And I'm like, dude, I'm not thinking about freaking the 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 yeah. leaves changing colors and cardigans and all this yeah, stuff. Like, do in, you in have March. any shorts and right. summer uh, swimsuits? Like- yeah, like, <laughs> dude, like it's just like it's just it's all it's all out of whack. Like you want me to live in 2020 23 already? Like, dude, can you give me like two months? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, we're uh we're we're in lockstep there, man. Oh, thank goodness. All right, so. For my landing strip thoughts, I have a few things. Number one, Jets fans, I understand this has been a long time. I just want to reiterate patience, please. And I know the internet is not a good place for that. New York Sports Talk Radio is not a good place for that. Just be patient. I I believe, I believe, and listen, you have the right to, to feel the way you feel. I believe in my heart of hearts, I think they're going to turn it around this year. And I think that starts in week two. So just want to just be patient. Just be patient. I feel it coming together. GoldenEye was announced today. I'm super, I'm super freaking pumped for that, man. Finally, after years and years and years. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, what's GoldenEye? And I'm kind of dreading telling my students on Thursday about GoldenEye because they're all in, you know, 20, 21 years old. So they're older or they're younger. They're younger than GoldenEye is. Like GoldenEye is older than they are. So it's like, oh God, that's going to make me feel real old. But uh, slappers only in the complex. Come, oh, catch me. I, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna ask what your go-to is. Your your slappers guy. I mean, you know, I I always clean up on golden gun mode because I know exactly where the golden gun is everywhere at, at any given point. So uh, I always I always own all of my friends golden gun mode. But Pro- um, proximity mines, remote mines. Prox. I'm a remote I- mines guy too. Okay. Yeah, I, like the remote, I, the I, I have vivid memories of playing with my siblings and just like all of us just doing mines everywhere mm. and chasing after each other, checking Bunker. mines. And, yeah. yeah. It's always fun. It's always fun. I love Goldeneye, man. I'm really excited for that. So if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want these hands delivered, you just let me, let me know your address and you'll get them in Goldeneye. And my last, my last bit of the landing strip here. Listen, I big shout out to J crew. I I'm a, I'm a larger fella. Um, I have thunder thighs. I've always had really big thighs. So it's very, very hard for me to find pants that fit. So I went to J crew with my wife over the weekend and I'm just like looking around and I picked up these pants and I tried these pants on doc pants from J crew stretch cotton, perfect fit, elastic waist, but they still have a button and a zipper drawstring. Let me tell you, dude, I am over the freaking moon with these pants. I cannot believe these pants. I am so happy. So I bought two pairs on, on Saturday and then I went back out yesterday after class and I bought two more. Nice. I love these pants. I cannot get over it. I'm I'm in heaven with these pants. So uh yeah, shout out J. Crew. Shout out J. Crew, man. That's the best feeling, especially with like dressier clothes, where it's like the, the cuts are so specific. And it's like, right. man, you, and there is nothing worse than being in a store and trying on like six button downs or, or six pairs of slacks and like none of them fit. It's like, yeah, what am I even do I just yeah. spent an hour just like taking my, my taking my shoes off, trying the pants right. on, put my shoes back on. I, yep. I gotta, I gotta do the strategy you do of like when I find something I like and, and I've been in this way, I've been like in this mindset with sneakers because mm-hmm. it's like anytime you buy a pair of sneakers it's like oh i love these pair of sneakers and then like two years go by and they're all trash and it's like oh man they don't even make these anymore it's like mm-hmm. any, anytime i find something i like i gotta do what you do and go back to the store and buy extra and just don't, have them ready to go <laughs> don't hesitate bro listen I, I was on their website and i saw people saying like oh well they discontinued these a couple years ago but now they're back in stores i'm like i'm taking no chances bro i'm <laughs> yeah. taking precisely zero chances on these pants so 
I'm sorry. I it's I get passionate about two things apparently: Jets football and pants. So there is that. All right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. Obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please drop us a five-star review if you like what we're saying on the show, or if you don't like what we're saying on the show. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter? At Sliz underscore NYJ. And as always, you can send us an email at Jet Fuel. Yeah, excuse me. Man, I've been doing this for six weeks. You'd think I have it down by now. Send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And join the, uh, join the Discord. Sliz, uh, what, how can the people join the, uh, the Jets Discord? Yep, discord.gg slash nyjets. We always got we have game threads up. If you're, if you're looking for some folks to watch the game and kind of live react, we got different threads up throughout the week, whether it's just generic football talk, whether you, you like to get kind of into the analytics side of things and, and kind of dissect PFF grades and all sorts of other analytics. Uh, we, we got it all going on. And as baseball comes to a close, shout out to other sports down the stretch here. We, we got plenty <laughs> of Mets and Yankees fans too. And some, some degenerate Phillies fans too. <laughs> yeah. Degenerate, put some extra sauce on that word, man. Anyway, that'll do it for Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. For Matt Salard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without Jet Fuel.